0: How do you stay mentally tough when your mental toughness is being chronically tested? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership consultant. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find out about me and how to work with me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today I want to have a conversation with you about mental toughness. I talk a lot of times, I think, when I tackle this subject about like what it takes to be mentally tough or 10 things mentally tough people do. Like, you know, you can fill in the appropriate listicle um, in that uh, title and headline and and know where I'm going with this. But I think that there's an important part of the conversation that we don't have often enough, probably because it's not as shiny, sassy, sexy headline-grabbing as 10 Things Mentally Tough People Don't Do. But what do mentally tough people do? when they're being chronically tested. And what do you do and how do mentally tough people respond when their mental toughness is repeatedly challenged? I, I think that, um, you know, sort of the innate assumption there is you, they just keep doing it. They just keep powering through. They just keep plugging along and doing what they do. And I can tell you as a mentally tough person whose mental toughness has been challenged for the past month and a half or so, not true. Um, That if you are a mentally tough person and you're being chronically tested, there's skills and strategies you need to implement in order to maintain your toughness, in order to maintain your resilience, and in order to retain your resolve to remain strong, to remain standing, and to keep fighting the good fight. Because I think what happens a lot of times is people puff you up, right? Like you start feeling like, I can handle anything, bring on the obstacles, tell me I can't, I'll show you that I can. And like all of this like hoopla and sort of puffed up messaging gets sort of brandied about and it's not real. It doesn't have any substance behind it. It doesn't it doesn't have any soul to it. Well, that was a pretty dramatic way of saying that. But hopefully, you know, <laughs> I'm not usually known for drama, but that was very dramatic of me. But you know what I'm saying here, right? Is that like I, I bring a certain amount of confidence to the table in my regular every day. I bring a quiet sense of knowing where my skill sets shine, where my talents lie. I do believe I have a reserve of resilience. I do believe that I am capable of quite a lot. But in the past, I don't even know if I were to start the clock on when it began um, and when it ended. I, I simply can tell you it's been a really hard start to the year. That beginning 2019 has brought on a lot of challenges for me. And you heard me talk about it a little bit when I sort of mentioned that, like my fam- my husband and I, you know, recently moved to an apartment from our house, our home, we're um, updating it for universal design, and then we're modernizing it from the 1980s, 90s decor that we found it in when we purchased. And we're doing all of these changes. And as a result of doing the changes, we have to move out for the remodel. And the remodel is going to take about six to nine months, given the extensiveness of the changes. And when this sort of feat was first presented to us. We've known it was coming. We've known it was coming since we purchased the house and opted to remodel it. Because I will tell you, HGTV lies to you people. You cannot, by the way, buy a house, (laughs) renovate it, and remodel inside seven weeks. It is a very long process. And if you're in California with all of their legislature, it's just a little bit longer. So the time it took to, you know, hire an architect, to have the architect design the plans, to have the plans be permitted. We ended up being in the house, our you know, the home we're purchasing for most of 2018. And now we're going to be out of the home for most of 2019 during the remodel. All of this we've known all along. So we moved from Boston to the house, knowing that we were going to have to move from the house to the apartment and then back from the apartment to the house, right? That is a whole hell of a lot of moving. And, you know, as you know, my husband has a disability, so I'm the one doing a majority of it. I'm also the person who works from home, right? So I'm the person with a flexible schedule. I'm the person who, um, you know, has more flexibility in how I get things done. I have the time and availability to communicate to contractors, to manage movers. I'm also the person who's physically able to go to apartments, to hunt for apartments, to see if they're accessible because you can't keep bringing the guy in the wheelchair to be like, oh, not a right fit, oh, not a right fit because that's super just annoying and irritating irritating on so many levels. So a lot of this, you know, has fallen on me. And when it was a task and when it was lists and things I could get done, you know, I realized very clearly in this process that like I'm a really good project manager. If I ever wanted to be one, like I've got those skills in spades. I've been organized. I've communicated really effectively. I've done a lot of things well. I've handled the physical labor of packing us up. I was very smart and high movers to actually move the boxes into the place. I physically was the person who sort of delineated what we absolutely need to have in order to have a comfortable existence in the apartment, but what can just stay in boxes? And I've made countless decisions and solved countless problems. But in that, I have to tell you there was a day where 15 apartments in a row I went to were not handicap accessible. In that, I have to tell you that like we had this thing happen where we um, picked an apartment and in the time it took me to, you know, check with my husband to make sure we liked it, they raised the rent $125 overnight from the original bid. And then I applied for another apartment and in the time it took me to apply for that apartment and it had already been rented. Then we finally agree on an apartment. It's not as ideally accessible um, in the bathroom as we would like for my husband, but we decided we could suck it up and make it work. We get that apartment, and I set up the cable to be installed. I turn on the electric for it to be installed. Um, I arrange for the movers to come. Um, I had to rent a refrigerator. I arranged for that to happen. Um, I did the change of address with the United States Postal Service only for the leasing office to say, hey, the current resident in that apartment that we're giving you Needs more time. We can't give it to you on the set date even when all those things had been made, even when I told the contractor that like we would be out and he could begin his construction on his side of the fence. All of those things. And then the countless little obstacles. The fact that we couldn't maintain our cable company because the cable company we were using at the house doesn't really even have strong enough internet in our area to stream Netflix, never mind run an online business. Like all of this stupid things. The fact that like we're renting a multi-bedroom apartment for ourselves and our stuff and all of that, but it only comes with one parking spot. So obviously the person who uses the wheelchair needs that spot. My parking spot's like half a mile from the apartment. So all of these stupid little things, all of these annoyances, every single time they happen, the physical challenges, the emotional sort of toll it takes to solve a problem, to organize, to work out logistics, like it is a ping on it. It is a, a little bit of a beat down. It's a little bit of, oh, you think you're tough? Let me throw this one at you. Because like, what do you, what the hell do you do? I can tell you what you do, by the way. But like when you change your address and your leasing agent says, actually, we're going to move you to a different apartment because that's how that situation got resolved. Like, and you have to undo everything you had just done, um, what do you do and how do you stand and how do you figure it out and how do you still feel strong? You know, I would love to be able to have the pie in the sky discussion with you and say, hypothetically, if all of this stuff happened in a really short period of time, what could you do? All I can do is tell you realistically and in real time using real mindset strategy these are the things that we need to keep in mind because at any point in time, life is going to happen. It, it, you know, like we always say it, right? We see the the poem, in, or it's not a poem, a meme or a saying on social media all the time. Like at any point in time, you have no idea what anybody else is dealing with, and that's because at any point in time, any of us could be dealing with a litany of different things, right? Like we could all be managing struggles that nobody else knows about, but there's still struggles for us. And when I was thinking about it in like a form of like just pure exhaustion, when my body was worn out, um my SI joint, um I'm gonna say it wrong so I'll just say SI joint, but my SI joint started to hurt. Um my body was just like worn down and tired and I just just hit the wall, right? Um and I I started to bounce back because one of the things that I always tell business owners is yes you get to share your story yes you can have diarrhea of the mouth and tell everybody all the things but you have to have the bags packed you have to have the lessons you have to have like what have you learned and what's the feedback and what have you gotten on the other side because if you don't have it packed yet if you haven't done that part of it then your audience isn't going to have a takeaway so what I get to do and have the privilege of doing is sitting here now in my unpacked apartment um, is tell you what to do and how it works. And what I did for you, now that I'm on the other side of it, in fact, just last night, I went to bed at 8.30 at night and slept uninterrupted until six o'clock in the morning. I was just like that tired. Um, so you're getting me freshly rested and with good perspective and I'm totally unpacked and all of this is behind me. I really said to myself, like, what do I want my listeners to take away from this? What do I want my community to know about? And how can they learn from me? Because we're all going to, be beaten down. We're all going to be sucker punched. And sometimes we're going to bounce up from a sucker punch only to be sucker punched again. And it's going to be obstacle after obstacle. How do mentally tough people stay out of victim mode? How do we stop ourselves from giving up? How do we not fold in the towel? How do we not run away? And how do we not let it change us in who we are and how we move through the world? Because I have to tell you, I had my witchy bitchy moments at times. And I had my moments where I was out of patience and totally done and had no skin in the game. Um, and I still had to show up. But I wasn't showing up in a way that looking back on it, I'm particularly proud of. So given that life happens... And sometimes life repeatedly happens. What are we going to do about it? I made a list, <laughs> um, and I'm just going to talk, and I'm just going to share with you some lessons, and I hope you find some value in it. I hope that there's some good actionable takeaways in it for you, and I hope I give you some things to chew on. Because the first thing I want you to think about, um, because the Super Bowl is approaching as I record this, um, it's probably already going to be passed by the time um, you guys have this in your earballs balls. Um, so I will be a happy camper if my Patriots um, have won that game by the time you're listening to this, I'm not quite sure how ahead I am on the batching process, but um, You know, using a football analogy, you want a good prevent defense. Um, And so what that means is you want to sort of, when you know that life is going to be hard, when you know that you're in for a challenge, Um, you know, I think it's very easy to just get reactionary, to sort of say, okay, I got to get my ducks in a row. This needs to get done. This needs to get done. This needs to get done. And to get really quickly reactive. What I really want you to do is to sit and think about like, How can you do your best? before a hard time to fill the reserves. I think people often rush to problem solving because it makes them feel empowered. It makes them feel like they're in charge. They feel like they're ahead of the game and they're doing the things and they're set up for success. But what that's doing is it's expounding energy. So gas is leaving the tank immediately. So the bomb is hit and you are reacting. Um, Instead, when you know that life might be hard or you know that At some point, it's true for anybody that life gets hard. Your prevent defense is setting your reserves up. So setting it up for you to have what you need easily available to you. And when I say this, I'm talking about your emotional reserves. So one of the things, I think I've talked about this on the show, sometimes I run into whether or not I've only shared this with clients or um, in blog entries and what I've actually talked about on the show. But one of the things I regularly teach my clients is that we all have our emotional checking account and we all have our emotional savings account and we all have our lines of credit. And the idea being that if we're moving through the world, when things are going well, when um, our needs are getting met, and we're being fulfilled, and we've taken care of ourselves, we're making these deposits into our checking account. We've gone to the gym, we've had a hot shower, we've gotten a lot of sleep, we've seen our favorite people, we've gone on a trip, taken vacation, eaten our favorite food, spent time on our favorite hobbies, spent time with our favorite people, you know, fill in the blank. The things that fill us up, light us up, bring us joy etcetera etcetera every single time we do that we are building our reserves and we are making an emotional deposit that we can call upon when we deposit it mindfully to use when things get hard. And then when once our checking account is comfortably full, the reserves get to go into savings. So the idea being that, yes, sometimes life is gonna get repeatedly hard, but we're gonna be able to pull from those reserves. We're gonna be able to pull from all of the previous deposits, and it's not gonna knock us down. We might take a hit, but we're gonna be able to bounce back pretty easily. So one of the things that I say to people is the best way to to manage like chronically challenging times that are going to chronically challenge your mental toughness and to stay on your game and to stay focused is to have that prevent defense, to make sure that during the good times, you're, you're ponying up, you're, you're making those deposits, you're taking care of yourselves, you're getting yourselves ready for game time because it's going to be so much easier to face or to manage anything that comes next once you do that part. But if you're, not, if you're not armored up in that way, then you're going to lose your reserves faster. And what we want to do is we want to think about the long game for you, right? So we want to set you up for success. The best way to do that is to build the reserves as high as you can so that you never need to pull from that line of credit. You know, and next, it's so easy. Again, I just said it <laughs> to problem solve to just jump into, oh, this happened, I have to do this. This person wants this, I can do this. I can move this, I can get this up. I can take what I was gonna do today and I can push it off till tomorrow. I can interrupt what I was gonna do here and I can move it there. It's so easy to do that. But what I really encourage people to do is to think ahead and say, and using your self-awareness, and this is why I preach self-awareness as, you know, the number one mindset strategy and why I talk about it so much, is when we know what sets us up for success, when we know what helps us move through the world in a way that's really effective and productive and aligned with who we are, everything is easier. So when you know something's going to be hard and you have a more specific vision of that, you can say, okay, a cancer diagnosis has either hit me or hit my family. We have When when, you know when someone is ill or when I'm feeling ill, this is the best way I have learned to manage this. This is the thing I need. this is how I set myself up for success and this is how i'm best you know I'm best able to use the the skills that I have access to to know like the way you move through the world and to say, what do I need to move through the world that way and make those needs non-negotiable So for me, One of the things when it was so apparent I was gonna be doing multiple moves is I absolutely had to get clear on what are the things that yes, it's nice to have, but I don't need immediate access to. Like, do I need, is it okay if I get all my recipes from the internet right now and I don't use my cookbooks for a while? Yes. So I never have to unpack my cookbooks. I never have to deal with them until they get to have their permanent home in my brand new shiny house when everything's done and dusted. I don't want to, you know, Constantly be looking for everything. So, what do I need to do to get organized? What do I need to have available for me? And who needs to know what? Because knowing those things for me are the things that are going to set me up for success. I think better in those logistics. Other people, they're going to need like the emotional reserves. They're going to need to know that their best friend is aware of them, that they have this going on, and they're going to need to bolster themselves up this way. Another time, like somebody, you know, may know that they've don't problem solve or multitask that way. So they're going to have to get themselves some help and assistance around that particular skill set. But when you say to yourself, and this is how I did it, like, okay, like these multiple moves are unavoidable. Doing it with a spouse who has a disability, unavoidable. Like, how doing it on the other side of the country from all the people who would show up on a dime, unavoidable. So given all these unavoidable things, what do I need to do? How do I need to move through the world? And one of the things that was really clear to me is I needed to decrease my work hours. I needed to, you know, I'm typically used to spending my full days working on my business, uh, Monday through Thursday, and then a half day on Fridays. I took an extended time period of time off from my business um, during the Christmas holiday so that I could get ahead of things, so I could start packing and I could start getting organized. I was looking for apartments in October because even though I knew we weren't moving till January or February, I knew that finding a handicap accessible apartment was going to be a challenge, so I gave myself a lot of time. I let the people who know um, you know who know me better who sort of bolster me and know how I move through the world. I let them know about that this was going on because I learned the last time I did this when I moved from Boston to California, that I actually like the help I need isn't always somebody, you know, filling a box. What I actually need is company through the process just for somebody to know. So I used my self-awareness from the last time I had done this to be able to set myself up for success, to have those things at my available. So I would say to people, hey, I'm not going to need you to, you know, I'm not going to need you to fill a box for me, but it would be really nice if we could chat more often or be on Voxer, you know, the voice messaging app or just text me more often that I, you know, I looked at what is it that I need to be successful? Where do I need to sort of change the way I do things in the regular every day so I'm not tired, so I'm not burnt out and frustrated? And I accommodated those things. I think so often what happens is when life happens, we just assume we have to keep doing every single thing we've been doing and attend to the crisis or attend to the life event. And what I'm challenging you guys to do and to think about is to back off on that because that brings me to kind of my next piece of this. It's connected to this idea of setting yourself up for success, but it's also how do you lower expectations? Because when life isn't happening, when it's not particularly challenging, when you're feeling good and the weather's good and your energy is good and life happens, you just naturally have more reserves. But when it gets chronic, when you're gonna deal with multiple obstacles, when you're gonna have multiple stressors kind of coming at you, at the same time, you have to make room for those. So, you know, at some point in time, I was capable of sort of batching up to like 10 to 12 podcast episodes at a time. And I could sit on a Monday morning, sit down in my my old closet. Now it's like the new apartment, by the way, my new podcast studio apparently is going to be the master bedroom because it has a rug and can maintain some of the same acoustics that I had for you in my home's closet. But like I I could sit in my little closet at the house and I could bang out 10 to 12 episodes uninterrupted with total dialed in focus. Um, during the time of the move, I wasn't able to do that. I didn't have the attention span for it because I had contractors who had questions for me. I had people who needed to come to the house to check out or, you know, scope out the project. I had, you know, people from the leasing agency who needed information or I needed to talk to the insurance guy about renters and, you know, um, insurance or, you know, whatever task I had at the time. So I couldn't just say like, oh, back in the day, Heather, you're capable of eight to 10 podcast episodes in a row. What's wrong with you? It's recognizing that when life happens to you and you're being challenged and you're being tested, that you, you have to account for that and you have to make room for it and you have to give yourself permission to say, like, this is happening. This is gonna take space in your life and you have to make time and space for it. So often people melt down, not because they're not capable of dealing with the challenge, not because they're not capable of you know, moving through the world and and facing whatever it is that's been handed to them, but they're struggling because they're holding themselves to the same expectations of what they're capable of when this stuff isn't happening to them. So what I really want you to think about is how do you give yourself permission with grace and with dignity to lower the expectation, to say that when times are tight, when times are busy, when you're facing a lot of problems all at the same time, when life is just chronically not going your way, how do you give yourself permission to be capable of a little less, to show up differently, to have less energy, to be less you, to to like have the idea of what, however you move through the, the world in a way that's quote unquote on, how do you give yourself permission to have your on dimmed a little bit because if you can lower the expectations you're not going to chronically feel like a failure but if you fail to lower those expectations, you're always going to feel like a failure. And when you have that failure story attached, when it suddenly becomes, I should be capable of this, you know, because it's so easy to do. Like, I am somebody who's emotionally intelligent. I'm somebody who has all of this shit figured out. I should be able to X, Y, and Z, and A, B, and C, and still do it with a smile on my face. Well, no, like, no, no matter how good you are, you're not capable because you're like welcome to being human right? We're all going to falter. We're all going to sort of scurry about a little bit. We're going to be our less than perfect versions of ourselves. And if we can hold that and have compassion for it and, and maintain our humanity through it, then we stay mentally tough on the other side. Because not only you know, are we going to be broken down if life challenges us, if the obstacles win, but we're going to beat ourselves up. And, and and when you're being attacked from the outside and then you're attacking from the inside with your inner critic and your, you know, sort of list in the litany of failed expectations, that's when you crumble. And that's when you lose your resilience and you lose your ability to keep going. So when you know you're in it for the long game, (laughs) because, you know, I'm just going to stick with the football analogies, right? Like, but when you know you're in it for the long game, you have to conserve your energy. You have to have your eye on the prize. You have to look at that big picture in order to really set yourself up for success. And along with that is recognizing, and it's so funny to me, I think this happens all the time, that sometimes people who sort of are working on personal development, there's this expectation that when life happens to you, you're supposed to constantly be positive all the time, that like, as soon as the lemonade shows, as soon as the lemons show up in front of you, you're making lemonade, and you're doing it with a smile and a pretty little grin, and recognizing like, now, like, when things suck, sometimes you get to be grumpy about it, um, You know, I'm not somebody who complains particularly a lot, usually because if something's bothering me, I try to solve the problem. Um, So I don't tend to like even get to the point of complaining. But um, like my body chronically hurt. (laughs) During this process, I was, it felt like suddenly, like, I was like, I'm not even that old, but wow, I'm starting to feel really old, um, and my skin, I think, um, I had an awful eczema outbreak, and I'm doing allergy testing for the variety of reasons why, I, what I might be allergic to, but my skin, like, was reacting, and clearly, it was a stressful environment, so recognizing that, like, that gets to irritate the crap out of you, and um, being mentally tough, and being positive doesn't mean being positive all the time what it means is saying things are hard right now and i know they're not always going to be hard and that's that's what i carried with me when it got really hard or i got super intimidated by the amount of tasks in front of me, or I got super, you know, overcome with the litany of pressures and responsibilities that were on me, it's like, okay, this is hard, but this isn't like, this isn't going to be constant. At some point in time, this is going to end. That's how you stay positive. I think the people who sort of fall apart and break down and get in their angry, resentful, sort of negative, shut down, numbed out state when life gets really hard and they lose their mental toughness and they break down from their resiliency, you know, it's because like it's it suddenly the only thing they view is what is right now and they see it on repeat. Like it is always going to be this way. It is always going to be this hard rather than like, okay, today totally sucks and wow, yesterday really sucked and tomorrow is probably going to suck too. But at some point in time, it is going to stop sucking. That's what it means to be positive. That's what it means to sort of tune into mental toughness and that's how you stay outside of victim mode because I I don't at all think that um being mentally tough means not having hard feelings about it um, I had like epic meltdowns <laughs> you should have seen me the day I my leasing agency <laughs> told me that we were moving apartments and I had already done all of the, the changes in electric company and cable company and movers like I lost my mind I, I I like I was so beside myself I had to leave the house and go for a walk and um, and in the next day like I like, by the time it happened, it was, like, five or five or six o'clock at night or something. Like, I woke up the next day, like, still raring to go and still pissed off and still irritated about it. And not at all positive. And I, I wasn't seeing any strength or goodness in the situation at all. So you have to, like... Give yourself permission when these things are hard to have the reaction, to have that feeling, to say like, I am effing miserable right now. This effing sucks. Like, I don't like this. This isn't fair. And so often what would grip me in these moments is who am I to complain because I'm going to have a really nice house at the end of it? Who am I to complain because like, oh, woe is me. Like, this is going to be a first world problem. Right Well, the reality is is that it was harder for me to find an apartment than it would be for anybody else. and it, because we had to manage disability, that's a part of our lives. I get to say that that's hard and it doesn't mean that I'm not mentally tough. It doesn't mean that I'm not just as capable by saying, well we have this additional hard part because we're acknowledging the reality and we're also sitting and owning the reality of what the, feel, the feelings that bring up from that and, and owning that and sitting in that because because it's my story that the people who really lose their minds are the people who shove it down, are the people who say, you know what, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, I'm just going to keep plowing through, let, oh, that awful thing happened, I'm just going to keep going, I'm just. it's okay, it's fine, it's not that big of a deal, and they push it down, and they push it down, and they push it down, and they're the people who lose their minds when the straw breaks the camel's back. Because we can only do that for so long. And sometimes, you know, no matter how good we are at this, no matter how self-aware, no matter how in control and in charge we are, we're still going to freaking lose our minds. We're still going to have a meltdown of epic proportions. Not everybody will because not everyone's MO or human reaction is to meltdown. I'm a meltdown person. I'm a person who goes as good as far as she can, as fast as she can, as organized as she can, as kind as she can, as positive as she can, and then she runs out, and I just melt, and I'm, <laughs> I'm a wailing, crying puddle of nonsense and drama. And it happens. It's happened at every single part of this process. It's happened when my husband got hurt. It's happened when he got sick again. It's happened when a a thousand times when, I mean, y'all heard about the airport bathroom floor story when we were leaving for California. So the self-awareness is to know who you are, to know how you move through the world, and to allow yourself to be that. To be consistent and to not be telling yourself a story that if you're going to do this with some level of strength, if you're going to do this with some level of perseverance, that there's a certain way you need to be or a certain expectation or way you need to show up. Because that's the part that I think sets us up to fail. That's the part that I think Runs the risk of us either deviating from who we are and how we move through the world, or sort of putting us in that victim stance. And that victim stance really is the most um, sort of destabilizing response that people can have because it just it, it sucks your energy, it sucks your ability to be capable and and to take control of the situation. So when I talk to you about mental toughness and maintaining your mental toughness, the main reason why I'm doing that is to get you out of that victim mentality. Because as soon as you think that life is just happening to you, and you have no control over it, you're, you're quarter past done. You know, and you know, one of the things that I would think about too, and, and this is an area where I don't, I don't think I particularly excel that. Like, you know, and again, this is why I tell people, like, you get to, as a business owner, share your story, share your experience, share who you are and how you move through the world, or, you know, in lessons learned from hard times, but you also want to have the baggage packed a little bit, because if you haven't figured things out for yourself, you're A, you're not going to give people all the information they need, but also, too, like, there's not going to be a good takeaway. And because I've taken the time and I've taken the steps back, you know, one of the things I can tell you in in all honesty is you have to be really careful around self-sabotage because I think that one of the things that I did um, was say to myself, well, you're managing all of this, like you're trying to run your business, you're trying to manage all of the contractors and the people coming to the house in that process and you're trying to find yourself an apartment and pack for the apartment and leave for the apartment and all of the steps and all of the drama like you don't have to take care of your health it's fine um and I think that that also happened because my skin was so grumpy and I was having like I was just itchy all the time and um managing chronic eczema that has been really resistant to treatment so it was like oh you know what just eat what you want just you know make the food that makes. Makes you happy, or you like yes, you're already working out. So do you know you don't have to do X, Y, and Z. And so one of the things that I really look at when I look at how I've started the year, where I've clearly self sabotaged, which probably started before January, is in my health and fitness because it's always the way I've taken care of myself. It's always the the thing that I've been doing for the past several years is working out really hard, and you know usually working out really hard, so I don't have to pay attention to my diet, but saying to myself like and knowing full well all like all along ever since I started my fitness journey knowing that that's not intuitive for me it's not easy (laughs) no matter how much I do it I don't particularly like it or enjoy it so I gave myself a get out of jail free card for it I was like I'm just gonna take that off the list I'm not gonna manage that it's it's fine well now I'm sitting on the other side of that choice and I'm sitting in the weight gain and I'm sitting in the clothes that don't quite fit and I'm wondering of, huh, is my body so sore? Because maybe it's gained weight and you're asking your body to do more (laughs) from a heavier state. Like, should you have maybe paid attention to what you were putting into your body and how many calories you were burning? And if you had allowed yourself to stay diligent, um, what might that have looked like? And could you have made that easier for yourself? Because I do think that the body hurts a little bit and I'm a little bit more tired and lacking energy for everything, not just because the obstacles came at me like, you know, ping, 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 but also because I'm heavier. And so now I'm sitting in the natural consequence of that choice and saying like, ah, I should have done a better job with that. Because, you know and you're only going to, because at the time I probably, if anybody had asked me, I'd been like, I can't keep track of everything. I can't have everything be hard. I just want one thing to be easy. But I can also see like, if you, if you go back um, to an episode I did, oh gosh, it was a couple of months ago, but how to sabotage self-sabotage. If I remember in the show notes, I'll link it up. Like that's kind of my MO. When things get a little bit hard, I, I, I deviate from the diet because it's the thing that only affects me, right? Like in the and that's what I shared in the episode. But like the contractors don't care if I don't work out that day. Like the contract they get everything they still need. The, the people who need all the information for the apartment or the person who needs this. Like they get everything that they need. Like this only affects me. So I can it creates that false sense of control. I think that like when you are a self aware individual and when you are somebody who is choosing mental toughness as your path, as like who you want to be and how you move through the world, then you also owe it to yourself to know what your self-sabotage sort of tendencies are to catch them and to not simply say don't do that. Like, no, don't, bad girl. But what are you going to do instead? Because my guess is I had options that I didn't allow myself. I, I don't, like, I don't think I had to You know, sort of just be like, well, I'm just not going to pay attention to that. I probably could have, you know, found the middle ground a little bit. I could have decided like, well, what are, you know, what are some prepared foods that are really healthy that also keep me full that I could just have on demand in my house? So I'm not meal planning. Um, I could have sort of cut that off at the pass, because it is an area where, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, the prevent defense, right? Like I I know myself well enough to know that I should have and could have seen that coming. So you want to not just not self-sabotage, but know what you're going to do and what you're going to offer instead, because that self-sabotage, and that's what I talked about in that episode, it comes from an unmet need. And if we don't identify for ourselves what that need is and what we're willing to do instead, it is going to be chronically unmet and it's just going to start to break us down from a different point. And so maybe it's the inside, maybe it's going to be a corner shot that's unexpected, but it's going to break us down somehow. So if we're aware of it, we can get in control of it. You know, one of the things too that I want you to think about is guard your gates, um, you heard me talk about this when I said, like, oh, I knew this was gonna be hard. So I reached out and I, I told friends, like, hey, remember back in Box <laughs> remember back in Boston when you kept me company on Boxer when I was packing all my boxes? Would you mind doing that again? Like I I knew like who was helpful to me. I knew who understood where I was coming from and sort of celebrated and understood the way I moved through the world and what sets me up for success. And I knew the people who would drain me eventually. who wouldn't necessarily have my back who would come with additional responsibility or if they were around or in my orbit I would have to be aware of them too so you know I guard the gates um when you know that life is going to be hard and you know you're going to be challenged and you know that life is just going to come at you you get to decide who stays on your side of the fence with you and in it. And you get to make it okay that not everybody passes through the gates and you get to make it okay that sometimes you are going to be your best when it's just you. Even like if you have a spouse, even if you have a best friend, like even if you have a a person, like sometimes you are going to be the best version of yourself when you only make yourself responsible to and for yourself. And again, it's harder when you have made these commitments to people, when you are engaged in, you know, spousal relationships and you're a parent and you have kids or you're, you know, your parents expect things of you and family, but you get to guard the gates. And I think a lot of times that this is a missing step. That, that people... Don't pay attention to it. So one of the things that I was really careful of is I was selective with who I talked to. I was selective with who I complained to because some people weren't going to build me up. Some people weren't going to make me feel better. Some people were going to make me feel insecure. Some people were going to make me feel bad. Or quite frankly, some people weren't going to get it and they were going to simplify it and they weren't going to take me seriously. So when life is happening and it gets you know, and it gets to you, I want you to give yourself permission to be critical about who you're letting in and, and be, let it be okay that not everybody gets a seat at the table. And maybe when it's a party, <laughs> maybe when it's a larger gathering and it's something more superficial, they can come on in. But for now, you get to guard the gate and you get to make sure that it's only the people who build you up and make you better. I want you to to think about something in, in terms of the future. You heard me say this earlier, right? That like one of the key ways of staying positive when things are chronically hard is um, to remind yourself, like, okay, it's going to suck, but it's not going to suck forever. Well, one of the best ways to do that is to create something to look forward to, to say to yourself, like, you know, okay, so on the other side of this, I get to have this. And so for me, one of the things... Again, I I don't know when this uh, this episode is going to air for you guys, but one of the things that was clear once I knew the move-in date was like, oh, I'm going to move in and then I'm going to have a week to get ready because then it's going to be the Super Bowl and my sister's also flying into town and I'm going to have a couple of days with her and she's in town for a conference with a really swanky resort. So then at the end of it, I get to go visit her swanky resort with her and have like a little getaway from all the stress and hoopla of it all. So I had this, you know, in my head. And then I also, too, in the middle of all of the things, um, I, you know, I came up with a really fun surprise for my husband and for his birthday. Um, And it, like, it could, you know, the idea was like one of those things where it would take all these logistics and I was in the middle of managing the move and going like, oh my God, I have to figure this out. Um, But I figured it out. And so now I've created this really cool surprise. So um, it's, you know, life was really hard in January, But like by the time his birthday rolls around, it's not going to be so hard. Um, So now I've created something to look forward to. I think sometimes we, we put off joy. We say like, oh my God, we're in the shitter right now. This is so hard. I can't possibly think about when I'm scheduling a vacation. I can't possibly think when I'm going to take a mental health day or when I'm going to get away or when I'm going to get to treat myself. But if we can create things to look forward to, then it's a visible physical reminder that what is right now won't always be. And then while you're in it, you allow yourself little simple pleasures. So one of the things that um, I really love about my home and that I already really miss and I haven't even been gone from it that long is that we live in a really nice neighborhood And then when you like just walk around the corner from the neighborhood and like literally less than a five minute walk, um, there's a Target there and it has a Starbucks um, inside the Target. And so when I was packing up and moving at the same time, I was trying to run my business and run coaching calls and record my podcast. I would say, you know what, I'm just going to take a day, take a second out from making my own coffee. And I would enjoy the, the ability to be able to just in the morning when the morning light is coming. Up to just walk over to get my cup of Starbucks um, and have that just easy peasy made for me. Um, it created this little like thing of pleasure. Um, the other thing that I did is I made sure that I had um, like my Audible um, account, so the audiobook app that you can use, and my podcast app. I made sure at any point in time that whenever I had a free moment, I was you know filling it up with ready-made entertainment so that while i was packing boxes while i was doing things i was also able to listen to a really good audio book or catch up on my favorite podcast or you know so that like yes i'm packing boxes yes i'm managing logistics but wow it doesn't suck because i just got to listen to you know this entire audio book or whatever and those might not be your things But if you have a thing, let yourself have it and allow yourself the pleasure. Because again, if we're thinking about this in terms of our reserves, our checking account, our savings account, our line of credit, one of the things that's such a quick win in such a quick deposit is when we have a little bit of pleasure that we allow ourselves rather than I think what happens for people when life is really hard is saying not now later. So when you can say yes to something, say yes to it, set, set yourself up for success for it because that you have no idea the like sort of the energy and the way it's going to fuel you because yes, it's a cup of coffee. Yes, obviously it comes with caffeine. But for me, what, fueled me was the little walk in the neighborhood because there's really pretty flowers at the end of the street Um there's this awesome succulent plant that um was super cool in the morning light. It was starting to turn orange, so I guess it's California's version of fall. But I I just I would take in that moment of joy, right? Like I I just would take it in and allow myself a simple pleasure. And I want you to think about what are your simple pleasures? Um what are the things that when life gets hard for you, like you can just have readily available. You know, um I have a friend who loves tea and she, you know, discovered a, a new vanilla cinnamon tea so, you know, I if it were her, I would say, make sure you have like stockpiled vanilla cinnamon tea or, you know, I would make sure that I sent it to her. So she had it. But that awareness that, you know, the simple pleasures are small and they're not going to make it go away, but they can make it easier to deal with. Um, and, you know, I also, too. One of the things that I, I think you really got to pay attention to here um, is we have to give ourselves more permission to toot our own horn. I think that one of the when I trace the reason why I have clients, right? Really, like it's like one of those things, like on second thought, maybe I'm going to lose business by teaching this skill. But one of the things that I think is the root of so much self esteem and doubt and imposter syndrome is the idea that as a society and as a culture, we don't don't often give ourselves permission to be proud of ourselves, to say, you know what, that was effing hard and I nailed it. Like this would have like crushed anybody else, but I was able to manage it. I may have fallen apart at the end of it, but wow, look at me. And I, I think sometimes that if we were to take more moments when we positively nail it and include this, by the way, I think in our prevent defense too, but if we were to show up for ourselves and to say, you know what, I did my best. I, you know, all of this stuff needed to get done and I got it done and no steps got missed. You know, like I, I like when I was unpacking things, um, I looked and I was like, this is the second move inside 12 months or 13 months at this point where I didn't break anything. Like go me. Right. But like, to be proud of yourself, to say like, this isn't something I'm normally good at, or I usually drop a detail, or I usually do this, or I didn't screw up that. And how many times can we sort of go through a hard time and give ourselves to permission to, to see that we did it well, that we managed it? Because I think the, the unspoken story is, well, yeah, of course you did. That's what you were supposed to do. Like, yeah, duh, moving on, next. Rather than like, no, 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 no. This happened and this happened and this happened and I effing figured it out. And I nailed it. I hit it out of the park. Because when we, you know, and that doesn't mean like I just did it for you, which is totally obnoxious, but that doesn't mean we have to blast it out, right? Sometimes we can just quietly know it. We can, you know, for me, I was looking at the satisfaction of like how effectively I kept everything separate the things we actually needed for the apartment and the things we're not gonna need until we unpack for the house. And so now everything that we don't need immediately is in its own room off to the side. I don't have to deal with it again until the remodel is over. And I'm really proud that I organized it that well, that it was that clear for the movers. The movers the movers teased me and were like, only a woman. But at least like, I could look at that and be like, wow, I did that well. I've made this part of this hard time easier. So what I, I really challenge people to do, and I know this isn't easy because we're, we're just told not to be braggadocious and we're told not to keep, you know, showing or, you know, telling everybody all the reasons why we're awesome. So if you're not going to publicly do it, which by the way, I think is okay. Like, I don't think I'm like breaking any major rules by doing it on the show because I'm modeling it for you, but also to like to your own horn, be proud of yourself because the next time things are hard, you are going to need to pull from that. You are going to need, to lean on that and to say, you know what, six months ago, I went through that hard time. And I didn't know how I was going to get through that hard time or either. But I was able to do this, I was able to do this, and I was able to do this. And it turned out to be not so bad. Because when you do that, that's how you build resiliency, my friends. That's how you have your own heart. That's how you have your own back when things get hard, is that you lean on, like, when did I also, when was I strong before? When did I, you know, show up in spades for myself? Because that's how we tune into capability. Because the first thing that attacks our confidence sometimes is our thought that, like, oh, I'm not so good at this, or, oh, I can't figure this part out. You know, I have a friend who always gives me a hard time because I advertise myself as someone who's not good at tech and I I like sort of lead with that story about myself and she's right it doesn't do me any service to say I'm not good at tech because then suddenly I'm going to be instantly intimidated by a task rather than like how can I tune into figuring this out for myself so take a moment and to take pride of yourself to collect your wins um, because they are going to be your reserves and the next thing that I want you to really think about, and I'm going to wrap this up because I have gone on and on and on. You guys are used to your bite-sized episodes. And this one I've taken a chunk of your time out of. And I, I think it was a valuable, important conversation. But I, you have lives and businesses to run, and you guys need to go back off to do those things. But I want you to think about what your recovery plan is. Because I think so often one of the things that immediately happens, like after the crisis, it's like, Oh my God, thank God that happened. Oh, that's over. That's behind us. I don't have to deal with that again. Whew. And you go right back to your regular every day. Um, and I did that. I was a little guilty of that, that like I I kind of had the expectation of myself that as soon as the house was packed up and moved on, I like it, pack, packed up, moved and unpacked, um, I should just go back to business and I should just go back to work immediately. And I did that fairly well, um, but I was exhausted and I was tired. And what I should have done is said, OK, you've had a really hard six weeks. You are emotionally and physically exhausted. And yes, you get your sister in town in another week. And yes, you get your Super Bowl fun in another week. But it's okay if you take a day now. Um, Because I, I think that, you know, knowing that and planning for it, is an automatic way to build reserves to say yes this is hard but the hard time is over it shifts the energy because i think sometimes like um we we go into that gear right we go into that next gear so we're 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 pushing through crisis and we're pushing through stress and we're go go going i think at some point in time we have to plan a specific visible measurable observable recovery and we're not all going to have the luxury of taking a week some of us aren't even going to have the luxury of taking a day, particularly when half these crises take time from work. So we do have to get back to work. But if we can be mindful and intentional about how we're going to recover, how we're going to be kind to ourselves, how we're going to nurture ourselves, how we're going to make up for the lost time or the lost self-care, then like, what are we, you know, how are we going to do that? Because by the end of it, for me, (laughs) by the end of it, for me, I finally had like unpacked the last box and I needed to pack up the cable box to get to the cable company i was like i just want my tv like that's all i want right now so i had all the shows that i missed out on watching because i was doing all those things so i completely like unplugged and just you know impulsively like binged on some television but like, how nice would it have been if I had thought of it ahead of time and said, like, oh, you could, you know, like you can take a hot bath because <laughs> never again is the bathtub gonna be this clean or this, that, and the other thing, and set it up for like this is your time um in a planful, mindful, intentional way rather than just impulsively taking it. I think that too sets us up and sort of future proofs us, right? Because that's the other thing. I think we talk about that a lot in terms of business. How do we future proof? our business but we also have to proof future proof ourselves and our you know our own livelihoods and our own sense of self um so this was a monster episode (laughs) following what was a monster six weeks for me um, but I'm so happy to be on the other side of it with you. I hope you guys got value from this um, and that there's lots of takeaways. This seems like a really good opportunity to remind you that at the end of every episode in the show notes, you can find a link to um, uh, contribute and to financially back the show. I do work really hard to offer you um, really good actionable content. Every once in a while, I drop a masterclass. I do think today's episode is a masterclass. So um if you deserve it believe too that it deserves some financial um reward for that i would certainly welcome your um your contribution to the show i work hard five days a week to deliver the best show to get you the best results so thank you so much for listening today i look forward to talking to you next time bye for now